We know Taco Bell's food is great. They've even got a whole new cantina menu with fresh new ingredients. Taco Bell is not just for late night anymore with fresh new ingredients like slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. Taco Bell is a great destination for your midday fuel. They have amazing menu items like cantina chicken tacos, burritos, and quesadilla. I truly do love Taco Bell. I love a Crunchwrap Supreme. It is one of my favorite things to eat. Ooh, don't wait till it's late. Try the new cantina chicken menu now. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now, like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hi, hello. I'm so excited to announce that I'm doing a live and virtual episode of this podcast. Why won't you date me? It's April 5th, live at the Legion in Los Angeles, but anyone in the world can tune in. Tickets are on sale now at moment.co slash date me. And if you can't watch it live, it's no big deal. It'll be on video on demand for up to two weeks later. I don't know who the special guest is going to be, but... They're going to be special. It's going to be a nice time. Um, I think you'll like it. And you can get your tickets at moment.co slash date me. Or check this episode description for details. Welcome to another episode of Why Won't You Date Me, a podcast where me, Nicole Byer, is just exploring what love is. My guest today is a comedian and actress that you know from a black lady sketch show and Luke Cage. She's starring in the new comedy series, The Big Door Prize, premiering on Apple TV Plus on March 29th. Beep, beep, boop, ba, 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 it's Gabrielle Tennis. A beep, boop, ba, ba, doop, ba, deep, ba. Thank you, Nicole. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm happy we finally got to make this happen. I know it's been um, a work in progress because we are <laughs> both busy ladies. Yes. But I'm so happy. Yes, thank you so much. Also, I gotta say, I won an Ambi. Oh, okay, this will be last week for a, was it Best Comedy Podcast, Mars? Yeah, Best Comedy Podcast. In that wild, that's so nice. <laughs> Ooh, applause. I love winning things. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Um, it comes at such a nice time because I did an interview where I said I didn't like the Bahamas and uh, I made a bunch of people mad. Wait, what? <laughs> I went on Jimmy Kimmel and I talked about my um my very bad Bahamas vacation. Uh-huh. And um 
I guess you just don't speak bad about the Bahamas because everyone got real mad at me. Oh, crap. A bunch of, um, were these people from the islands or just? They're from the island. Anyone? No, no, from the island. And, uh, uh, yeah, I get it. It's a beautiful place, but like I didn't have a great time and I thought it was a silly way to talk about it. And people are like, no, thank you. We don't like you. <laughs> and, you know, you can't please everyone, Gabrielle. Listen, okay. Well, thanks for the heads up. Now, I not only have to be worried about Black Twitter, but Island Twitter as well. Island Twitter <laughs> is, I gotta say, a mean Twitter. But one lady called me Peppa, Peppa Pig Slut, and that made me oh, laugh no. really hard. <laughs> so I changed my Twitter name to that. Okay, Gabrielle, I want to talk to you about love. Um, have you ever been in love? In love? Such a hard one to answer. You know why? Because I think it means something different for everybody. And uh-huh. growing up, it was never defined to me. So you watch all of this, um, uh, you know, make-believe, all of this stuff that we see in movies and in our our books and, you know, the things that we think, this fairy tale stuff of what love is supposed to be and what in love is. But I always like to say being in like is a lot stronger than being in love. I mean... But I'm a pragmatic I mean, person, so from a functionality <laughs> standpoint, I'm like, do we like each other? How can I stand you? Can, you know, that's the type of thing. Like, I think, I guess that's a part of being in love is being in like and being with someone that, you know, you can go through those ups and downs with. Someone uh-huh. who can tolerate you in your bad days and your bad times. Because those are the most challenging times to deal with somebody. Um, you know... Even with, like, I'm a very uh, recluse when it comes to, like, if I'm going through things, if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm having my little stressors or whatever, I'm either really quiet and and off to the side by myself or the person closest to me gets all of the heat. You know, like, you're snipping at them for the littlest things because they're, they absorb it all. So it's, um, it's one of those things where in love is just like a hard thing to define. And I've, and I've been, I've been told you know it when you feel it, I guess. I like that you said in like is more important than being in love because I think, I know me personally, I have spent a long time being like, when will I be in love? When will that person Uh come? And then I never stopped to be like, do I actually like this person? (laughs) Do I like them enough to want to love them or want them to love me? Uh Uh-huh. Because boy, love oh is boy. love is such a huge responsibility. Like, you know, like you're saying, you're looking forward to like, oh, when will I ever be in love? And like a lot of times women in particular, probably more so than men, grew up with this expectation of what love should look like based on, uh, you know, society, based on fairy tales, based on the rom-coms, right? But, <laughs> but then reality is not usually that. And a lot of times now with social media, we compare our relationships whether they're uh, romantic relationships or familial relationships or whatever, to what we see on social media. And a lot of times, even that, you're just seeing highlights of what mm-hmm. that person's love is. Um, we didn't see what it take took for that man to get down on his knee in the middle of Times Square and to, like, you know, pull off some amazing uh, proposal or whatnot. Um Maybe he did something bad two weeks ago and he had to do it to get out of the doghouse. You know what I mean? We don't know the backstory, but it looks great on its Instagram, right? It looks amazing on TikTok. But it's just one of those things where it's such a responsibility, like to 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 dedicate and devote all of your time, your energy, your 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 trust into somebody. Um, and I think that's why for me, like liking the person has got to be step number one. 
uh, because when all else fails, even if you fall out of love with people, you know, people get divorced, relationships end. But if you like somebody and have enough of a general respect, I feel like you can always maintain some form of, you don't have to go cut up all your pictures in the pe- in, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Coldplay Man. I don't know his name, the, <laughs> the lead singer of Coldplay. Uh, they had a uh, a conscious uncoupling, which I genuinely really like. Uh-huh. I like that because... She like she posted something. I think it was like father. She was like the best father. You know, my kids. Yeah, have remember. The, I think I remember. Yeah. yeah, and they're still like it seems as such. They present as like very friendly, and that seems really nice to be like, hey, this isn't working, but I like you so much that I'd like to keep you in my life in a very civil way. And boy, oh boy, do I like that because it's scary when you think about. I mean, I'm the type of person who watched who will sit and watch an episode. Well, not anymore because I don't have the time, but I used to sit and watch an episode of Snapped and would get in, caught in that loop because they would never take a commercial break after between episodes. So it's just always was amazed by that fine line between love and hate and like how people would just do the most twisted things um, and most bizarre things with somebody you were just in love with or walked down the aisle with or whatever. And I know that's an extreme, that example, but to go from having an adoration and a respect for somebody and then on a twist of a dime because something went left that you just don't have any form of respect left. I just feel like it's not worth the energy personally. Yeah. I'm a very I'm a very unbothered in that sense. <laughs> like I'm not going to give all that energy to someone else. Um and and then maybe because I haven't been in that experience where like I'm out keying somebody's car and like ready to risk it all. Like I just haven't experienced that type of of love in my life. Um I don't think that's necessarily love. I think that might be like Maybe like a trauma bonding thing where you're going mm. back and forth being mean and good and mean and like highs and lows. Because I can't fathom keying someone's car or like slashing their tires or like screaming outside their window at night. Like that doesn't seem like love. <laughs> well, as a person who's has who has recovered from road rage, um, <laughs> I can't imagine them keying someone's car. I can't imagine going there, but not for those reasons. If, if, especially if it's somebody you want back. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. once I'm done with somebody, like, I used to do this thing where I would physically take my hands and I would wash, like, I would wipe them. I'm like, this means I'm done. And, like, to me, that was, that was, like, the visual confirmation. And it, it gave me the responsibility, like, you can't go back now because everyone saw mm-hmm. you do that. You know, you have to be held accountable. And I think it helps, though, that I didn't grow up with, like, I was never that girl that grew up and was like, oh, I can't wait to be married. And I imagine what my wedding is going to look like. So I may just be very much so flawed when it <laughs> comes to love. I don't like it's not something that I've ever um, was like priority on my list. I was unfortunately that uh, that stereotype of a woman that just wants wants to work hard and get everything because I was raised when my parents divorced. I was raised by a mother who was very, very much so you know, independent. And seeing that to me was just, you know, she was my superhero in that sense. So, but, but comes that you're picking up some of those traits that you don't realize. It's like, as a single mom, the the other things weren't important to her. It was about putting food on the table, making sure we were, we were taken care of. So like, I didn't, the other stuff didn't. And then, you know, obviously mom brings around another man, like, who is he? Mm-hmm. We don't want him here, you know, so. <laughs> Who is that guy? Get him out of here. Who is him? I don't like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, we don't like anybody that comes around. <laughs> but, you know, so I think when it comes to, like, love, it just really just depends on the experiences that you had growing up. And like you said, people, that example you were giving wasn't necessarily love. It's probably exchanging of trauma. Um, it just depends on how, where we place love in our priority list and in our hearts and in our expectations and in our goals. And if they're not 
align with each other, sometimes that's where the recipe for disaster starts. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm not a true crime person and mm-hmm. I don't really watch, uh, you know, stuff like that. But I fell into a hole the other day about this man. He was like a Disney dad. They lived in, I think, Celebration, which is like a Disney city in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then he also worked in Connecticut and he murdered his whole Disney family okay. and then lived in the house with their dead bodies and like murdered the dog. And I was like, the dog? What the dog do? I don't know. What did the dog do? <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God. I guess you actually don't know people. Like, you think you can know someone. You can spend, like, hours and hours and years with somebody and then still be like, wait a minute, you going to kill me? <laughs> like, Right. What? Like, imagine those last moments and it's like, wait, you're the person that's going to take my life? Like, yes. wait, we just had breakfast two days you know i don't know it's just it's just very scary and, and creepy and that's why i'm a sleep with one eye open type of person no, i'm teasing <laughs> i trust absolutely no one that's how you get your life go through life <laughs> survive <laughs> totally get it Got i it. feel like sometimes i'm like i don't want to trust you what if you turn on me exactly I, it's so scary but then also it's like you know that person could end up being the best thing in my life and wonderful and we'll spend years together um i think a thing i i um i like stress about and worry about is like relationships ending even mm-hmm. though my therapist is like every relationship is a good relationship because it means you've learned something you've grown yes. you know more about yourself but then i'm like but i get so sad <laughs> what about that part <laughs> yeah my cry. <laughs> what do we do about that um yeah it's just a perspective like your therapist said it's all about trying to learn things and take something away like Especially when you invest so much time and energy, it's like, I'll be damned if I gave you all of that and I learned nothing from it and I didn't grow mm-hmm. from it. You know what I mean? And and for me, it's more maybe of an indignant thing. Like, I refuse to not take away some some form of value for giving up so much um, because I'm such a committed person. I'm such a devoted and loyal person. And I'm such a um, accommodating and caring person mm-hmm. and like giving in a relationship. And all, that's in all of my relationships that. It, it really would hurt to be um, played to the left in a, any kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see those red flags and those signs, like <laughs> I did have a, one of my uh, relationships back in college. I remember the guy, he was on the phone um, and not thinking, like guys lie better. Just just do better at lying, <laughs> first of all. So <laughs> I come in the room. I think I was taking a nap and I heard him on the phone. And just a general, like you're waking up and you asking a question just to start the day. And he's like, hey, well, who, who were you talking to or whatever? Who was you on the phone with? And he kind of froze and was like, mm-hmm. oh, my family. That's, I would have thought nothing. He would have said any name, uh-huh. any name. I would have thought of it. But the fact that I was like, your whole family? Your whole like, family? <laughs> that's Y'all, new. That's you a new thing. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely before Zoom and like uh, FaceTime and all of that. So I'm like, wait, so were we having a conference call? Like, so it was just, you know, and then that led into learning that he was on the phone with somebody he wasn't supposed to be on the mm-hmm. phone with. Star, that's back when Stars is now. Like, boop, 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 boop. And um, I got the information that I needed, but it was just, it was just kind of like, wow, like, that trust is so fragile. Mm-hmm. And when it's broken, for some people, some people are a little more forgiving than me. <laughs> some people are a little more patient. I am. I do not have patience, and I'm not that forgiving when it comes to as far as keeping my safeguards. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a very wall-up kind of person. Um, so once I let you chisel away at that, and we get to a place where I feel like I should trust you and I should feel safe, and you break that bond. Mm-hmm. And depending on how how 
depending on the circumstance, I just, I, it's just very hard for me to move past that. Um, so in that instance, that was a quick, easy breakup because I was like, and you're out. <laughs> you know, it was just very much so like, it was just like the audacity, you know. I wish I was like that. I'm very like, oh, you can have another chance and another chance and another chance. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm very, very But you know why? I think it's because you're also a hopeful romantic. Like you, that is somewhere tucked in there where that's, you have, you want to give love a try, whereas I really don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I could die alone and be happy. (laughs) I want to, that's like. I don't know, a level unlocked. I want to unlock that level. I want to be like, <laughs> but it's whatever. Really, it's really sad, though. I wish I wasn't like that, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> Do you consider yourself, like, would you consider yourself like a late bloomer or did you start dating early? Oh, a late bloomer, because I grew uh-huh. up in a house that was very much so like no boys allowed, you know, yes. that kind of thing. So um, I come from a very religious background. So my mom was like, absolutely no boys. Uh-huh. So my first boyfriend, I was probably 16. A 16? Yes. And that's only because I had moved out of the house. Now, also the first boyfriend was definitely a pedophile. Oh <laughs> hate no! To use, hate to use that word, but uh, oh, he was definitely no. he was definitely he wasn't sixteen. Um, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, so, but back then, not knowing that, like he was one of those. Back then, the vibes were like the guys coast around the school afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't cool really to date a guy from school. You were considered more cool if you dated someone outside of school, like mm-hmm. or or older, or definitely he just had to have a car, whatever the standard was at that time. So he kind of slipped through the cracks, but my mother would not have allowed that to slip through the cracks. So that is something that I guess I would be considered a late bloomer. I don't know what time, what age people start dating, but like that was. I feel like that's like a a right on time bloomer. I was a late bloomer. I don't think I went on my first date until 21. Mm. So I think that's like a little late. Had I not moved out of the house, I would have at least, it probably would have been college for me for sure. Mm -hmm. I always find it very, very, very fucking weird when older guys, like guys in their 20s, are dating like a 16-year-old. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what do you have in common? You pay taxes. Yeah, that part. What are you talking about? That part. And also for me, it was like, it was a a thing. Like the fact that that was a normal, non, you know, like no one batted an eye at it really Mm -hmm. for the most part. But like, you know, ever since the Me Too movement and the whole thing with R. Kelly, like people pay attention to that. And it's like, and I look back and I'm like, that's so disgusting. Why was he interested mm-hmm. in me on any level, mentally, physically, like none of that. Um, but back then it didn't bother me because I guess at 16, we think we're grown. Yeah, you think you're cute. You think you're grown. You're like, ooh, this older man is into me. Great. Mm-hmm. But even when I was like 16 and like girls were dating dudes who were like, I don't know, juniors in college when they were juniors in high school, yeah. I was like, that's so weird. So you have to like is wait he- for him to come home. And then, like, you can't see your boyfriend because he's, like, at college. I always yeah. thought it was so bizarre. Yeah, it was definitely weird. I mean, this guy had a fam. Not, not like he was married, but, like, he had kids and, like, mm-hmm. going to visit. Like, it was like he didn't he didn't have a nine-to-five type of job, so he wasn't, like, gone during the day. So it's like, what are you doing today? Taking yeah. kids to the zoo? Like, what's, you know, and these <laughs> are things I was thinking, can you pick me up a toy? Like, what? Like what are we doing here? So it was just very um, interesting, especially looking back. But at the time, 
you don't you're a young mind. That's why they that's uh-huh. why it's considered dangerous, because we don't know what the hell we're doing at that age. You know what I mean? So it's like I was just following whatever lead he was giving because I was the minor. He was in his 20s. And it was like that was really foul. But um, it is what it is. You learn from your mistakes. But um, and that's why our parents know better than we do. <laughs> Had I stayed home, I would have avoided that weird interaction. But at that time, I thought it was cool. When did you start working? Did you start working when you were 16? Oh, yeah. Like in the industry or just period? In, in the industry. In the industry, yeah. I went to like a performing arts high school. So um, I started working probably in like the sixth grade, maybe? Fourth? Uh-huh. I don't know. This program started in fourth grade. It was a fourth or twelfth grade program. Um, but I think my very first job was probably like a commercial of some sort. Um, and then I did a movie with um, Gregory Hines. And I say I did a movie very loosely. I was in a scene and those lines got cut. <laughs> so that was my first taste of Hollywood. Um, and then I did, oh, my first theater production was Fences. And okay. for me, the big highlight was I was in a play with the man that played, the gentleman who played, um, who played the Cowardly Lion in The Wiz. That was like, my first tiptoe into like earning and doing for myself. And I was always this very responsible kid. I hate spent wasting money. My mom would, <laughs> my mom, I think both enjoyed and found it annoying. So like when it came to like school shopping and stuff, I was very frugal all the time. Like, mom, you don't need to buy these. Maybe I'll just get one pair of jeans. And like, she's like, girl, like <laughs> treat yourself, get some jeans. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you need two pairs of shoes. <laughs> but it was just like always, you know, just I was always aware of like, money and like always aware of of being because we went from a two-parent household to a one-parent house like making sure my mom wasn't overly extended and I wasn't a part of any of that so um I think that just kind of carried into in, in adulthood as far as that's concerned but I'm sure I'm getting off track of what we were originally you were originally no asking it's me. fine but real quick <laughs> we have to take a break take a break This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Thanks. Babbles tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations and delivered with conversation based teaching. So you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better, and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better, so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta, muchacho! <laughs> without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And bum, bing, bum, 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 we're back. Okay, <laughs> so... You started working super, super young, which is like really, I think, very interesting. Um, how old were you again? I don't know if I was in the fourth, fifth or sixth grade, somewhere around there, because I can't remember my exact, exact first job. But I know my first big job was the movie that I did, um, mm-hmm. Rage in Harlem. And then um, but I was a kid like I was I loved making money and having a plan <laughs> with it. So like getting my first car, like I worked that summer and it wasn't that industry related, but I worked them all like in the mall kiosk. You know, people, the, the annoying people that you walk past mm-hmm. are like, would you like some lotion? Would you like us to buff your nail? And it's like, like no, ma'am, I don't want any of that. Scram. But like that little summer job bought me my first car. So as I turned 16, boom, I was like, and we're driving. And then um, I remember <laughs> I remember being so pressed. I wanted like grown up furniture. And like I worked right at, we probably went to like big lots or something. And I went, you know, the, the kind of furniture you build. Mm-hmm. And I built my yeah. own little furniture. I had this cute little white bedroom set. And I thought I was doing it. But but the responsibility that came with working, I just kind of enjoyed at such a young age that mm-hmm. I think that hunger of constantly wanting to provide for myself and, and be depend- dependent, um, independent, I'm sorry, uh, was very important to me. And I think it helped knowing what I wanted, what I had a passion for at such a young age. You know what I mean? I, I, I never take that for granted because having that vision and having that motivation and having some form of a guideline and steps of what you want to do with yourself really helps keep you out of trouble <laughs> at a young age. Do you think working so young made you grow up faster? For sure. And I think also being the oldest daughter, like the oldest, you know, and just responsibility was just something that always just kind of fell in my lap that I didn't I didn't shy from. So yeah, I think I think that helped for sure. Now that you say I'm thinking about it like, yeah, I guess so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cuz cuz I started working probably when I was 14. Um uh, like going to my mom's job and helping doing things like that and um uh, I don't know. I just always liked working. It's weird. I like working, too. Um, I didn't really start working. Well, I had my first job at 16. It was in a clothing store. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like work a lot of the time. I'd be like, so I just have to keep refolding this shirt. I have to. <laughs> like, what is this? Why can't other. So like anytime I'm in a clothing store, I just end up folding the tables down. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, someone's going to have to someone do this. Someone's going to have to do it. And Let them do I, it. The call their being paid. I know. <laughs> I know. It's the same thing at wardrobe fittings. I have uh-huh. to hang up the clothes. Everything. I do the same. <laughs> They're like, we got it. And I'm like, are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the wardrobe stars are all like, you're so, um, uh, so like clean and organized. There was like people, we walk in, the clothes are everywhere. I was like, how? I would never be able to do that. But yeah, I can't. I have to hang everything up. I, I can't leave a mess for other people. 
Yeah, I briefly worked in retail myself. It lasts maybe a month and a half. Mm. When I realized I was giving them, I was like, so I'm working just to keep giving y'all my money to keep shopping here. Copy that and I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's like the weirdest thing. They give you these like discounts and then you feel like it's a lot and then you keep buying stuff and then you're mm-hmm. like, so now I've got a credit card to lame Brian and now yes. I'm very much in debt. Oh, yes. no. Yes. And then when you're young, you're like, who is this FICA person? Why are they? Why did they get a place on my check? So many things to learn. Truly. And I wish somebody had explained credit cards to me earlier. I mean, that really should be a part of, what is it, social, uh, what's the class we used to take? Where they teach you how to write a check, which I guess kids probably don't do that anymore because everything's <laughs> digital. Uh, social. No, it was like social studies or what? I don't remember. But it was some class. I remember learning how to write a letter, form a letter mm-hmm. and like. Uh, how to write a check and do a balance your checkbook. But like a lot of the other things, I feel like y'all miss a lot of steps. Uh-huh. We had a class in high school. Wow, this is like a memory unlocked. I've never thought of this. I don't remember what class it was, but they were like, you should, uh, not you should, the, the assignment is to to make a budget with like the job that you want and like get an apartment that's in your budget and then like budget mm. out food and stuff. But I remember being like, well, I'll just make more money so I can have more money for these <laughs> things. And then no one was ever like, no, this is the set rate of money that you get. You have to make it work. So I was constantly just adjusting things, being like, yeah, uh, I'll just make more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't learn much because when it came time to actually budget, I was like, oh, fuck, this is hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. On a date, speaking of budgets, do you like to go Dutch or do you expect your date to pay for everything? Um, I've gone Dutch, probably not on, not with anybody I didn't know. Um, in a relationship I've gone, you know, I don't really consider it when you're in a relationship, I guess that doesn't matter because I, I don't consider that Dutch. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. whatever. But for the most part, men want to pay. Uh, that makes them feel a certain kind of way, but I don't mind uh, paying uh, Dutch. I don't mind treating a guy out. I didn't date a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm like, we, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we're boyfriend and girl, but now it's like, it's a quick turnaround usually with me. Um, and I've only, I've only been in like four relationships, four or five relationships. I don't, I haven't dated a lot. Um, but I do remember, I do remember in high school feeling like when I was, you know, 16, learning life, I do remember going out like a couple of dates. And but back then dating was like you might go to the park or you might mm-hmm. go to the movies or like if you're grabbing dinner, it wasn't like a fine dining situation. But it, it might have been like, oh gosh, what was that place? That we build build our own burgers or something. But like the whole thing was like you just went for back then I was in it for the meal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't like that feeling. So I just got a job and I would always, and I didn't like my bestie to feel that way either. So I always bought her food. And like, we were just greedy girls, just driving around. We would call the two girls in the white car. We would drive around, blasting music, eating our food, posting up in front of car washes or like the strip and just people watching and just having a good old time. We were a mess, but we, for the most part, we set out of trouble seeing as how we were 16 and with no living on our own, in a sense, we were living with our big sister, but like living without our parents' parental su- supervision, uh, we still made, you know, good grades and, and graduated. That's all that mattered. And um, but yes, I think the dating has changed a lot now. I think there's a lot more pressure on guys than there was once upon a time, because, again, we're in a world of social media where you're seeing how women are being treated or 
And women, oh gosh, young girls like have a different level of expectations than I did when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? Um, first of all, I wish I had the makeup tutorials that they had. Same. Uh, <laughs> prom, I would have been a lot cuter. Oh. Um, <laughs> all of my pictures would have been great. <laughs> it was all my school photos. Um, but no, I just feel like there's just a different level of pressure on younger people to date now. Um, also because they feel the pressure to show off. So that comes with like, what am I wearing? How are my nails? Like, uh-huh. how much did I spend on this? Everything becomes like labeled and pr- like attached to like a label or a price or an expectation that really isn't about the one-on-one interaction with the person. Because I would prefer like, you know, there's that old school thing. Like if you order from this side of a menu, you know, there's this expectation, right? So I've always preferred there to remove expectation from a guy unless I know for sure that we're moving forward. I would prefer we didn't go nowhere and you had to spend no money because I don't want to feel guilty or bad about it, you know. If I felt, if I was the person who cared, I wouldn't, you know, feel like if you asked me, then you should just have a plan in place mm-hmm. um, and then expect to pay for said plan. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't mind, um, you know, like I said, if it's someone that I've dated for a while or that I'm in a relationship, obviously I don't mind. Because to me, at that point, it's not really considered chipping in. It's like, we are going to eat. Mm-hmm. I think once you've like, dated someone long enough it's like either you get it i get it or we split yeah, it it's, yeah. it is what it is yeah but on a first date i don't know i think i not on a first date unless i ask you maybe if i was so inclined and so uh-huh. pressed i was like that is the one i gotta have but i just <laughs> feel like also i think maybe regional i'm not sure like i grew up midwest so like there's also tradition sometimes that like I said, guys, most guys I've dated always want to pay because I think uh-huh. that's just the expectation that was on them. Um, but I think, though, our dates would be different if I was expected to pay. We might just be <laughs> sitting at the park. You know what I'm saying? We're going to take might a walk. Uh, go we're going to sit on this stoop. Or we're going to go to grandma's basement and just watch TV. <laughs> uh, what is your ideal, like, first date? An ideal first date... I don't know. I think something that shows personality and shows something that the person's interested in. So, like, uh, I like to have fun. I'm pretty adventurous spirit. So if it's like going out to, I don't know, roller skating or or going miniature golf or indoor skydiving or I like an adventure because I just feel like you there's more more opportunity to laugh and and to and to find what people find um funny and and what what their what their buttons are as far as things that they're afraid of but also just like you see a passion in something when somebody really loves something mm-hmm. i like to i like to imagine like that passion can translate somewhere in our relationship if you if you're taking me to show me something that you love you're already opening this space where i you're inviting me in to know um an intimate part of you or a part of you that you en- you know enjoy most about not most but like something that Brings you joy. You're bringing, you're, you're including me and inviting me to that joy and that space in your world. Um, and hopefully that joy is aligned because if, if your joy is, I don't know, I, I don't know, tor- tor- a storm chasing, I'm a path. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that adventurous <laughs> for someone to be like, hey, on our date on Tuesday, a huge storm is coming through. Do you want to chase it with me? <laughs> like, how bad do I want this dick? I, I mean, know. hey, it might be worth it because depending on the weather forecast, it might be the last storm, the last moment, last opportunity. Might as well go out with a bang. <laughs> That's a good idea for first dates. I'm bad at first dates. I'm always mm-hmm. like, I don't know, drinks. I used to do dinner, but I don't uh-huh. do dinner anymore because that's a commitment. Yeah. 
a long yeah. time sitting Gotta there. wait for it to the food to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last date I went on, I asked him if he wanted to, like, share a salad. And he was like, I don't eat vegetables. and Not vegetables at all? I mean, I, I didn't get into it because I was like, certainly this adult man eats vegetables <laughs> and is just being silly. But I ordered the salad anyway, and he truly ate none of it. And I was like, Fuck, I don't, uh, I don't think I could continue this. That's interesting. Yeah, but I guess, I guess, I guess that that date taught you something early on. You you saw something that wasn't going to work for you, and you got to figure <laughs> that out early. You wouldn't have figured that on a storm chasing date. So you're right. <laughs> to each I, his I, own, I guess. <laughs> too busy trying not to die, and then on the second date, I'm like, wait, you chase storms, but you don't eat vegetables, right? Oh, okay. I've wasted too much time. <laughs> He's living dangerously. <laughs> um, wait, do you sing? Is this a thing? You sing? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So, okay, you used to be a performer at Six Flags in Maryland, where I you did. would perform Destiny's Child and Christina Aguilera. Yes, we did a whole Top 40 slight review. Um, what was the name of our show? I forgot the name of it, but it was it was the best summer job I've ever had, and... When I tell you we did like Whitney Houston, uh, Ricky Martin, like you said, Destiny's Child, like uh-huh. we covered all these uh, J Lo, we covered all of this music and got to dance and sing, but we were the envy of all of the other uh, entertainers in the park <laughs> because we worked in the theater with the air conditioning, uh-huh. so <laughs> uh-huh. we were definitely uh, side eyed a couple of times because also with like you have the, when you think about those costume characters you're working out in the summertime, you're under all this fur. I mean, uh-huh. they would they would profusely sweat, and Oof. I was like, I want no parts of that. And then, um, <laughs> but people would always come in and like hide out in the theater to, to sneak some of our air conditioning. But yes, that was an amazing job. So I, I did get to sing and dance in that show. I heard there's a hierarchy in amusement parks with the the faces and the furs. That's what yep. I heard it was called. Yep. And is this true? Yep. Yep. Okay, but the faces have it easier and they have a nicer time. Yes, yes, girl. We had a green room and we had Ooh. breaks, long breaks. You know what I mean? We could go catch rides in between. Like our li- our jobs were chill, and um, <laughs> we we had a good time. Okay, was it like? Have you ever you you've seen Sister Act, right? Uh huh. You know the review that Dolores Van Cartier is in in the beginning. Was it uh-huh. like that? It was very yes. It was very much so like. I don't know if it was that level of production, but it was definitely like we had full scale, like tiered stage, um, full full costume, full wardrobe changes, full lights. Like it was the whole nine um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but it got to the point where we were so silly huh. because at this point we're so full of ourselves because again, we're at the top of that hierarchy. Um, <laughs> and so when it came time to like just being silly and having a good time. I mean, there were times they would have to cut on um, a track because we would be giggling so much and we couldn't get through the show. So we're like (laughs) lip syncing on stage because you turn to the right or the left, someone's mooning you backstage. Or Mm -hmm. like we were so immature. Um, So immature to the point, I remember one time being, I was catching cold or something and I took something right before the show, not realizing it was drowsy. Mm -hmm. I am damn near asleep on the stage. Like I'm dozing off (laughs) on the stage trying to make it through, uh, uh, was it Creed, the name of the band? With arms wide open. Yes, that is that song. Yeah, so the guy's singing this song to me and I'm sitting on perched on the edge of the steps and I'm like, my eyes are closing. <laughs> like, There's nothing wide open about my eyes right now. They're trying to go to sleep. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had some drowsy medicine. So this is the type of vibes we were on. Like we were a mess, but also 
Uh, it was a pretty, pretty amazing show. The funniest thing to me about that experience was like how Six Flags was a, a daycare for some parents. Like they would mm-hmm. just buy passes and like we would have some of the same repeat. Like we had fans in the audience. They would come all the time <laughs> and be in the front row. They knew all the songs, the choreography uh-huh. because their parents were like, and you're here from nine to six until I pick you up for work. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so wild. I I just really love the thought of you just like uh, closing your eyes and nodding out to Creed. That's <laughs> yes. just very funny. Under a spotlight. real quick we have to take another break looking for some amazing tv to stream indulge yourself with the hits on hulu you can't miss dive in with barney ted robin and the gang on how i met your mother all nine seasons are now streaming on hulu then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Bebop back. Okay. Um, you consider yourself a foodie? I love to eat. Yes, I call myself the hungry hippo. <laughs> um, I... I just love good food. I really do. And there's nothing more annoying to go out and spend money on food that's not good when uh-huh. you could have just made it at home. So that's why I'm 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 a huge Yelper. Like I review everything before I go spend my money because <laughs> I I really value, but I don't just take away from Yelp. I contribute. Okay. Um, so I give my reviews um and I try to keep them all positive. I try to give like the good reviews uh-huh. so people know what's up. Like this is what you get off the menu. This is the good stuff. Now, of course, there are the times that I have to. Like, the the, the places leave me no choice. I have to leave you a bad review, but it's an honest review. <laughs> but you did it to yourself. <laughs> like the time I found uh, maggots in my food. Hello. Had to kind of report that one. So, maggots. Uh, girl, in a fine st- dining establishment. I was like, so, oh. why is this, what is this moving in my, I freaked out. How far did you get into your meal? Luckily, not at all. It was like, because this was during oh. the pandemic, so during the pandemic, I was as also a germaphobe. I wipe everything down. And then as upon opening the container, I just was like, leaves aren't supposed to move. Like, what's happening? Oh. Yeah, I was very disgusted. Very, very disgust- disgusted. They gave me, like, some kind of gift card. I was like, and who am I going to no. give this to? My enemies? Yes. <laughs> I worked at a restaurant where I was a hostess, and this man was like, hey— there's bugs in my food. And mm-hmm. I was like, bugs? And then my manager ran over and was like, never scream the word bugs. And I was like, <laughs> well, I was shocked. I was so shocked that this man was so calm and, and his bugs on his plate. And then someone bit into a burger and there was a twisty tie in it. Uh. And they also were very calm. They were like, hi, I found a twisty tie in my food. And I was like, twisty tie? That manager was like, stop <laughs> screaming. What's wrong with their food? I was like, I'm just so shocked that this is happening. But how about Mr. Manager starts, stop sending food out that has things wrong with it? 
Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. That restaurant is no more. It was in New York. It was called uh, Chat and Chew. Okay, what's your favorite restaurant here? You live in L.A., right? I live in L.A. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, sushi. Okay. Uh, So there's, um, I'm always at Katsuya, or I'm always at this spot called So Sushi, Mm -hmm. um, which is a pretty dope spot. And then, like, if I'm in in my vegan bag, I love Crossroads or Crossroads a little Monty's so Burgers. Good. Yeah, oh. yeah, mm. yeah. I was vegan for approximately, I think, five months, and then uh, I think I had a hamburger or like ribs or something, and I was uh-huh. like, "Well, that's done." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was in a, I guess, a vegan, a temporary vegan relationship where you know you're trying to eat what that person's eating. Uh-huh. Luckily, they were, gosh, it was only six months for them, but <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't dislike vegan food. That's the thing. There's a lot of stuff I prefer vegan. One thing that I appreciated out of eating the vegan diet was that dairy is not, I don't really need the dairy in my mm-hmm. life. I can still do it, but I do notice a difference of like feeling mucusy. You know what I mean? Yes. And during the pandemic, I was like, no mucus, that's where all the germs go to live. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, no dairy for me. It is truly wild what dairy does to you. Yeah. Because when I stopped eating dairy, my face truly just like cleared up in a way that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, what a treat for me. Mm -hmm. And then the minute I started eating dairy again, my body was like, I don't process this well and I don't like it. And then I have not listened to my body and I continue to eat dairy and have a terrible time. Yeah, I just heard this year, last year, something about, and I didn't know, and I don't know if this is true or those people were just fucking with me, but uh, Black people are like, uh, I guess, naturally. We're more allergic to dairy, predisposed I think. To, yeah, like to be lactose intolerant or something like that. Uh-huh. I didn't know that was a universal Black thing. I think so. I think I read that too. And what a bummer, because... I love ice cream, but I have discovered lactate. Hey, it now. works. <laughs> but I was like, if this was a universal <laughs> thing, why have we been? Why are we still taking milk into our bodies? I was like, all that milk I ate as a kid. I know it was like the food pyramid told you to like eat your eight servings of bread and ten servings yes. of milk. The food pyramid was wild. Which also, I feel like I heard the, some of that was a scam. I don't remember if it was the... Yes. I think it was the dairy industry. Like, it was like that wasn't dairy necessary. and the bread industry. Yeah, because yeah. you don't need 10 servings of carbs. And then I think fruits and vegetables were like at the top where they're like, don't eat that much. And it's like, what do you mean? Cucumbers are good for you. What are you talking about? But like the lobbyists were like, no, we need to make money in the dairy industry or uh-huh. whatever. And it was like, eat all of those things. And we were like, put it in the pyramid, <laughs> add some cartoons, and the kids will follow, you know? Yeah, it's like those Got Milk ads. I wonder about them still. I'm like, why did we have those Got Milk ads? Were people really not drinking enough milk? Yeah. And also when you think about when someone pointed out to me, we're the only mammals that drink other mammals' milk. I was like, you know, that's kind of gross. Yeah. I've never seen a goat sucking on a cow. You know what I'm saying? Let me get some of this. (laughs) Or like your mom, when she was pregnant, wasn't laying out her breast milk for the neighborhood kittens. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) you don't know my mother. No, I'm kidding. That would be insane. I'd be like, Mom, what? <laughs> um, okay. Do you have any advice for me, other single people, how to get on your level of being like, I'm fine not being in a relationship? Oh, um, I would say first and foremost is just finding other things that bring you joy. And I feel mm. like a lot of times, just like with even just in my industry, the second I stopped being so like wide eyed and and hungry and like had that like crazed hunger look in my face for like mm-hmm. 
hire me. I need work. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like the stuff just started to organically come because I was doing, I found things outside of that that made me happy, brought me joy, which changed the energy, my energy um, and, and the way my, I presented myself in the universe. And then those things just started coming to me because they were things that I would pray about or the things that I would want. And I feel like when it comes to love, it should never be forced. And if it mm-hmm. comes, if it comes organically, it will happen. And just being open to maybe outside of the box of what you think would be your vibe. Like sometimes we don't give the right people a chance or enough time to be like, you know what? Oh, because sometimes the, our love is love at first sight is not necessarily a thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it might take 17 sites to be like, oh, there's something there that's deeper than the visual, that's deeper than that first impression that we can um, we can link with. And maybe we, we there's a lot of men out there who want love just like women want it, you know, that want mm-hmm. relationships. Um, and and we have to be open to to exploring all the options on the table. But to get to that level of just not. And I want to say that I don't care. I've just, it's just not, um, it's just not a priority. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's 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 definitely something that if it were to happen, it's great. But um, I don't know. I just feel like being yourself and being open to the universe, but also finding other things that bring you joy where you're not so focused and investing all of your energy into mm-hmm. one, one thing. Like, oh, I've had to, like, lo- like, love's on this time clock. And that's the other thing I feel like we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when it comes to time and aging mm-hmm. as if love can't be rediscovered or discovered in, in all facets of life. And, and and we've all seen it or heard stories of it happening. But I would rather wait longer to, for the right thing than to be wasting all my time and energy into something like love yourself first and enjoy as much as you can of that. And then when other person comes along, that's just a bonus. Because you already love you. You don't need another person to love you. You need a person to share experiences in your life of things that you love to do. And and that could equally love you the way you love yourself. Because um, no one should ever love you more than you love yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it starts. It's just loving on yourself and then finding the person that um, complements the way you love yourself. And not get it doesn't get in the way of of you loving on you and and take away from any of that hard work that you built to that stage. You know what I'm saying? Damn, that's deep. Nobody should love you more than you love yourself. I like that a lot. <laughs> Good. That's like, that's a, that's very, very nice. Um, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So the man who played Luke Cage, Mike Coulter, is he as pretty as I think in person? <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. He looks the same to me as he does on television. And he's okay. A, he's a very nice guy. Oh, I'd love um, to hear that. Yeah, that makes it even better. But yeah, he's he's just a solid dude. Like he was always Ugh. humble and like we would crack jokes on set and he was he he always made people feel like warm and like mm-hmm. um and welcomed. You know what I'm saying? So Ugh, that would make me truly so nervous to be like, you're very hot and you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would but make you me ask feel... him to be mean, I'm sure he would do it for you. <laughs> so wild. <laughs> oh my God. And then if he was mean, I'd be like, oh. Oh, this is doing it for me too. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's so hot. I love looking at him. <laughs> um, and then wait, what's his name? Who was on Rosewood? Morris Chestnut uh-huh. again. Is he as pretty as I think in real life? He is another great guy. Like he looks the same to me as he does on television, and it was very much. I think the pressure of me was like, wait, 
am I attractive enough to play more chess than sister? <laughs> but he was like, you know, you you build these people up, I guess, in some, in some way. You're like, oh, my gosh, best man and, like, mm-hmm. you know, Ricky and all of those things. And then and you meet him, and he's just sweet as pie, very humble, down to earth. I, I tease more. He's an old man. I tell him he's an old man all the time. Like, <laughs> we, I remember he treated us all to, like, a cast dinner, but dinner was started at, like, 5. I was like, sir, <laughs> it is Friday. Why are we going sir. to dinner? It was like Friday or Saturday night. But he like he wanted to be there right when the restaurant opened. And in hindsight, I was like, maybe some of that also is because he's famous. Like he maybe does not want to be in like all of the mm-hmm. But also like he's a homebody. Like he likes being at home with his family. He loves watching his sports. Like he's just real chill. Mm-hmm. And so it was a pleasure to work with him because he was just always nice and friendly to everybody um, and always smiling. Uh, working hard, and he was, and then he would disappear when it was t- when we arrived. You would not find you would see the back of Morris' ball head. He was Goodbye. out of there. Yes, <laughs> I auditioned for that show. I can't remember what part it was for. Oh, really? And it was one of the worst auditions I've ever no. had. No, <laughs> was it already I, on the air when you auditioned? Um, I think I auditioned for the pilot. Okay, but it might have been on the air. I don't remember, but it was one of the first things that I had auditioned for that wasn't a comedy, mm. and. I was, like, trying to make these serious lines funny. And the casting mm-hmm. director was like, how about you just say this like a person? And I was like, <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was one of the worst. I, like, laughed and I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I have so many auditions like that where I'm just like, uh, you tried something. And it didn't work out. Well, I've had a couple of bad auditions myself, for sure. I remember a particular one was for like, I, I, it might have been High School Musical. And mind you, I've I've got dance training. For mm-hmm. some reason, this day in the dance callback, I did this high kick child, and that leg kept kicking, and the other leg went with it, and I just went up in the air and went like, bow. And I was like, what? That's never in my life happened. But it happens today on camera while they're recording for this callback for the Disney people. Like, I was like, what? I was mortified. Mortified. Yeah, auditioning is truly... A very interesting beast because once you get the job, the job is so different than the audition. Yes. So it's like navigating all of that is so it's it takes a very strong person, I think, to be in this industry. You know, what helped for me is that I I and again, this was my quest for self-love and like making sure that the things that I needed to do for me, because, you know, moving to L.A. was a huge sacrifice. Like you're leaving all of your Mm -hmm. comfort. Right. So I was very, very, very determined to not make the sacrifice for not. So um, I remember taking these uh, classes or workshops. I think they were called workshops, like these casting director workshops. Uh-huh. And for me, it opened my eyes to realize, oh, they're just human beings. And like hearing them say, we want you to win this job. Like, yes, we, the quicker we ro- book this role, the we can go. Because I think there was always this this ex- this interpretation of like it was us against them. Or like there was like this wall of like, you know, this fear of like, they're just human beings. So I think once that once I crumbled that piece and 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 uh, tackled that beast, auditioning became a lot easier because I no longer put the control in their hands and it was mm-hmm. all about me. It's like, y'all, one way or another, I'm going to enjoy this audition, <laughs> whether I get the job or not. I'm going to have fun doing it because mm-hmm. it's taking my time, my energy, my gas money, my parking fees, my parking tickets if I get them. Like, all of these things are going to mm-hmm. be invested into this three minutes of my day. I'm going to go in here, I'm going to knock it out, I'm going to give y'all a performance, okay? Now, whether you boo, hiss, or cry or not, I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to live at <laughs> this moment. And then I'm going to go about my day after I leave here. Um, but, but yeah, auditions, oof, auditions are crazy. 
Mm-hmm. I had a, a callback recently where I just got like a little thrown because the email said one thing was happening and then a different thing happened during the actual like audition. Mm. And then I was like, oh, God. And then we started it. And then I was saying I said like one word. I like switched a word. and I was like, oh, shit, that doesn't make the line. The line doesn't make sense now. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, keep going. And then I was like, actually, it's an audition. I don't have to keep going. It right. is fine. Yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. Can we just start over? I got a little thrown. And they were like, oh, of course. And 10 years ago, I would have just like powered through it and let yes. it bother me for the rest of the session. But instead, I was like, just let it go. You fucked up a word. It was fine. You started over. You got through it. You did actually a pretty decent job. And then you took all the notes and you did a good job, Nicole. And I'm yeah. trying real hard to just like, you know, let let things go and not let them affect me as much. And then I feel like at that point, when you're relaxed, they become relaxed. Because uh-huh. the second, like they probably tense them since the moment that you tensed and like, were like, oh, no, I flustered, I messed up. They see that they they watch a thousand auditions a day. Mm-hmm. They know when you're in your head. They know when things are going wrong. They may not stop you because they don't want to be rude. But at the same time, once you took that adjustment, now they're relaxed and they can really mm-hmm. sit back and enjoy and take you in fully the way you want them to take you in. And I think that's a lot of times people don't understand or like it takes actors a long time to realize it's your audition. Mm-hmm. You're there for your purposes. You're not there to worry about who came in before you, who's going to come in after you, like go in there and do your job and let casting enjoy that in that moment. And even if it's always tell people book the room, if it's mm-hmm. not that job, book the room, make fans yes. in that room, make people they'll enjoy call you in for other things. That's exactly. happened so many times. So where many like, times. We loved you for, you know, that part didn't work out, but we're going to bring you in for this little guy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Ooh, okay. What a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my favorite is going to the job and they're like, well, what did you, how did you wear your hair at the audition? It's like, there wasn't an audition. I didn't have to audition for these two lights. Exactly. <laughs> but I got a bag of wigs. So you pick which way you want my Whichever hair to go. Whichever one you want. <laughs> and then I have one more question about working with people. Uh-huh. Okay. So Tyler Perry, as Medea. Uh-huh. Is it as fun as I think it is? Yes, it is. It is. It's so funny seeing him go in and out of that voice uh-huh. and then hearing him his regular voice, his regular deep voice with boobs and like the full uh-huh. Medea <laughs> regalia. Um, yeah, and he just, he's funny. He's actually a really, really funny guy. Like watching him was very a good. It was a fun treat. Um, and everything moves so fast, as I'm sure uh-huh. you know, like they shoot very fast. So to see him in that element just bounce around wearing four different hats. It was just like, wow. Uh, but it was it was funny. Medea cracks me up. Medea is so funny to me. And Boo Medea, I did a podcast with my friend Lauren Lacus where we watched, uh, we call it the real MCU, the Medea Cinematic Universe uh-huh. instead of Marvel. Um, we, <laughs> so I hadn't watched any of the movies. And then I watched them and I was like, these are so funny. And Boo Medea, uh, Medea falls down the stairs and it's the hardest I've ever laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to work with Tyler Perry. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Gabrielle, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I thanks for having really me. I really enjoyed our time together. I thought it was a real treat. Um, is there anything that you want to promote? Uh, no. Uh, just, I mean, follow, I guess, my socials. Like, we have a new show dropping on the 29th on Apple, the Big Door Prize. And it's my first time as a leading lady. And Congratulations! Then, <laughs> you said that you. so demure. Truly, that's, that's like, such a treat. Lady. Yeah, right. I mean, it's definitely an ensemble cast, but like to be not to be number two is like wow. I've worked very dream. hard to get here. Yeah, 
Um, and then, you know, uh, the Upshaws is streaming on Netflix. And then eventually we'll find out about Black Lady Sketch Show that we, we wrap season four. So stay tuned for um, when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on everything. Oh, wait, big door prize. I think my friend Mary Holland is in it. Yeah. She's so I love funny. Mary. Isn't she so funny? Yes. Oh, I we can't play wait besties, to watch it. And she's oh, amazing. Yes. I love her so oh, much. OK, I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for being here and doing this. Yes, thank you for having me. Okay, if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me, you can like it, you can rate it, you can subscribe. Uh, give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. And then if you write me a dirty message to Why Won't You Date Me, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Mars, my producer, will read it, so don't send any pictures. And then I will read it on the podcast. So this nice person said, Nicole, I'd let you rollerblade into my arms, pole dance down my thigh, and do the splits on my face. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye-bye. That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by, oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. (laughs) This has been a Team Coco production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.